any event. But the good news, I've been telling you guys about the offensive linemen that are coming back anyway. I've been telling you about this for weeks. Well, they got to make a decision on Gates this week. I would expect, obviously, that, that he'll be activated, I would think. You know, now, the bad news, they have to get Lemieux back this week. I mean, he's right. coming back real soon. I wouldn't be shocked if he's back in a couple of weeks. And by the okay. way, Paul, Paul, on that note with Gates, too, they don't necessarily have to cut somebody. It easily could be a Neil or Bredesen temporarily to IR in the meantime, sure. too. Sure. You know? That, that was a little bit you. of a that, – that was a fear. You know, you activate Gates. Who do you have to cut to make room and do the roster gymnastics? Yeah. You know, they might have a roster spot open now. Well, I think Bellinger's going to go IR. Yeah, well, that was the next one I was going to close the pod with as well. He, is, he's you know, going to see an eye doctor today because he, he got jammed up up inside the face mask into his eye. Yeah. And that's that's nasty. Yeah, I mean, so, to leave to go to the hospital and, and his eye had swelled shut. He had come back. Um, there were some f- very, very fringe, unconfirmed reports that he might need surgery too, Paul. I mean, it, it that was so bizarre to me because when he got carted off, you know, again, I'm not there. I'm thinking to myself, he got poked in an eye. How bad could this be? He'll be out there for the second half. To find out he had gone to the hospital, I mean, that is scary stuff. And of all of these guys, you talk about Phillips stepping up. You know, we've talked about Zudu stepping up. The Bellinger injury, just because of what Bellinger's become, I and mean, we saw it two weeks ago in London, the way that they're trusting him on reverses and everything else, he's become such a key ingredient. You want to talk about Oregano, he might be, you know, the time of this Giants offense, Paul, uh, and losing him for a significant amount of time. You know, again, you hear IR and you, you assume, okay, maybe he's back at some point. If that was a season ender, that would be one that I think would be really devastating to this Giant team. Yeah, you, you know, I understand the point, but I will say to you, there are times when uh, when Myrick has looked like he's been a pretty damn good blocker. So maybe yeah, they won't yeah. miss as much of that component as we think because, as we've also seen, Myrick and Hudson have also made some cameos in the passing game, and we didn't expect much of Bellinger, and Myrick and Hudson have kind of made cameos like he did earlier in the year. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it won't be as devastating as we think. And by the way, well, who's they the third guy, though, Lawrence. Paul? Who's, who's going to be the third guy if they get rid of it? You know, well, Lawrence Cager. Lawrence Cager. Okay. Who, by, who I will tell you had a good preseason with the Jets. Giants just signed him to the practice squad. Keep an eye on Lawrence Cager. I know. And what I mean by that, Paul, is like, of course, the Giants, we've gotten accustomed to next man up. And look, guys have filled the roles. They've won these games without these wide receivers. But, you know, Bellinger is a guy at day three pick. He was just. I, there's something to him where the fan base is falling in love a little bit, right? You, you Jake Ballard 2.0. Yeah, I get you, it. And, and, I get and, it. And more than Jake Ballard in that you look at him as, you know, this is a position where we love our tight ends, right? We love Bavaro. We love Shockey. Then we loved Boss and Ballard and those guys. But Bellinger was starting to feel like they might have something here where we're talking about our next tight end for five, six, seven years. And not to say that he won't just because of an eye injury, but it just it sucks in the midst of all this to see him go down with that kind of injury. I mean, it is what it is. But on that note, just to go back just a little bit, Lemieux is still a little far off. You talked about Gates being activated. We were ahead of the game on this, talking about, you know, the versatility of Gates and why you'd want him on the roster because he could play everywhere. Do you envision a scenario in a few weeks, if this lasted a long time with Neil, where Gates could actually go back to being right tackle for this team? Well, if Tyree Phillips holds it down, why would you move him out of there? Well, it's true. It's true. I'm just saying we know the value of Nick Gates, and I know that it's hard to expect Nick Gates to go back to being right away off of this injury, the offensive line that he had come into his own as. But 
that being said, if he shows that progress, and you never know what it, you know, Phillips could get off the hot start, teams figure it out, look at him on tape, and he reverts back. Or as you said, he's battled with injuries, maybe he gets hurt again. I mean, is there a is there a potential there where we don't just assume Nick Gates is an interior offensive lineman for this team? I suppose in an emergency they could do it. I, I never thought that Gates, even though he was a tackle at uh, Nebraska, uh, when I looked at his tape coming out of school, I remember seeing him at rookie minicamp, and I said to him, you're going to make this team. And he appreciated the thought, and he's like, well, what, what do you think? I said, because I've watched you tape. You're going to be a hell of an NFL guard. I don't think you're going to be a tackle in this league, but I think you're going to be a hell of a guard. Well, as it turned out, he seems to even be a better center. But yeah. I, I, I – at his athleticism and his quickness, not really built for the tackle spot. In a pinch, he can do it, but I don't think I don't think you want to be thinking about him out there. All right, and then let's close with this thought, Paul, because you were on the sideline all game. It is so refreshing to me as somebody who's I've traveled and seen the Giants on the road a bunch of times, and we know that the Florida games because of so many Giant fans that have moved down there. But that was really surreal. I mean, that crowd was. It, it, it was unbelievable the amount of blue jerseys, white giant jerseys, hearing them and then seeing the scene of everybody meeting Dable post game. I mean, it caused a full start. It felt like at least on TV late. I mean, the, the let's go giant ch- uh, chance were, were up there. And it's just so refreshing to see this team playing good football. And now giant fans are enthused about going on the road. And boy, did they take over Jacksonville. If you consider that stadium in four parts behind each end zone, the camera side, and the opposite camera side. Well, the camera side, which is the Jaguars part of the stadium, that's their sideline, that that was clearly won by the Jaguars' colors. There's yeah. no doubt. But the end zones, you would say there was more blue in each end zone. And on the opposite side of the field, which was the Giants' sideline, it was dominated by blue. It was unreal. The camera It was the side. only Giants game that was going to be played during the regular season in Florida this year. Knowing how many transplants are down there, it was obvious. The Giants knew going down, it was going to be a good crowd for them. But I think the fact that they were so vocal in key spots and many times, many times throughout the course of the day, I'm not talking about the fourth quarter, there were chants of let's go Giants that was very audible. It was a very animated uh, stadium. And what 6-1 and one has done now, Paul, is forget the road for a second – I don't think you have a lot of Giant fans and season ticket holders looking to dump off tickets to road teams. And you've already gotten the Cowboy game out of the way. I don't think that suddenly MetLife Stadium is going to become, you know, homecoming for these road teams coming in, those that are left in November and December. And just seeing Giant fans' attitude towards this team, I mean, this is unreal. This is, this is completely unreal. I know the Eagles run a bye, but the Giants now have, you know, a tie for the most wins in the NFL at six. What? I mean, how is that possible for Halloween? Uh, and, and on that, Paul, I, I would say this tough game in Seattle coming up and we'll do the preview pod later on. But beyond that, I mean, with all these injuries, I do think that there is a point in time here where this buy now is falling in line at the perfect time for the giants to kind of calm down, reset and get some bodies back after that. Yeah. I agree with all the points you just made, but I don't want to let this program end without throwing some bouquets out to guys who were left for okay. nothing. I, I mean, Fabian Moreau. Oh, come on. Should have had on. a pick. And he's been great. And his PFF numbers, which we hate most of the time, are really supporting the argument he's been like a top 10 corner in the NFL this year. You know, has the interception that should seal the game until the penalty takes it away. 
makes the initial bump on Kirk at the goal line before Love and McKinney are able to get in there and wrap him up and stop him to seal the game. So Fabian Moreau, big time, big time. And Paul, you know what? On the Fabian Moreau point, because it really sucks what happened to Aaron Robinson, what he went through with the knee and the appendix and everything. But if if you could close your eyes and go back to August, and we did this, right? We talked about the secondary and the scary part of the secondary. I would say that on the Giants, the biggest question mark of any starting position of the starting 22 was cornerback two behind a Dory Jackson. And here we are. And it feels like it's not the guy we thought it was going to be. It feels like they actually got a pretty damn good one in their system with Fabian Moreau. A veteran who came in and just did his job and acted like a pro. And and can I also add uh, that it was a combination of Jalen Smith and also Landon Collins in on the fourth down quarterback sneak stop of yes. Trevor Lawrence with about five and a half minutes to go in the game. Sean, do, do, do I need to remind you how critical that play was? No, it was a play you would see them each making in the 2016 Pro Bowl to have them come up here in 2022 and do it. You're right. It was unreal. And, uh, you know, again, part of the refs, too. I did question the ref spot on the second down play. I actually thought Jacksonville had it, but on third and fourth down. And that was what we talked about, too, right, Paul? We talked about Doug Peterson's aggressiveness on fourth down. It came back to haunt them in multiple spots yesterday. So the point is, you know, guys who the Giants added, knowing they didn't have a lot of money, but they were able to bring in some veterans, guys who are pros, pros, guys who know what they're doing. They have grit. They have toughness. They have experience. And these guys have all contributed significant plays. This is not just yesterday. This is what's been happening now throughout the course of the season. The Giants are getting everybody to contribute. It's it's an all-in deal. And, Sean, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. The Giants in the long run are going to be a much better team for all of the growing uh, bumps and bruises that they've had to do during the first month and a half of the season. I can't wait. I hope the best is to come, Paul. I hope the best is to come. Now we can sit back, relax for a couple days, see what's going on with the injuries, come back and look ahead to Seattle and Geno freaking Smith. Paul, you can follow you on Twitter. At Giants WFAN. You can follow me at Mirage CBS. Thanks to our producer Adam, and thank you to all of you for taking one giant step with us. <laughs>